We are less than one week away from the bash. Check out thebashhoops.com for the updated schedule. Check us out on social media at thebashhoops. And if you haven't already, head on over to teachhoops.com slash 816basketball. Sign up for the free trial there and check out the incredible content that Coach Steve Collins has at teachhoops.com slash 816basketball. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast, brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here as always on the Greatest Games Podcast, a chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest game. As always, it can be their time as a head coach, an assistant coach, a middle school coach, a JV coach, just whatever game they consider to be their greatest. And with today, we have a Division II assistant coaching. Blas, we were talking about it off the air before we hit record. It's been a minute since we've been to the state of New Jersey, since episode 46 in your Creskill Cougars with Mike Dodo and those kids talking about those greatest games, episode 46. So we are going to Caldwell, New Jersey, to Caldwell University, the assistant head coach, the assistant coach at Caldwell University, Joe Scott. Welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast. Thank you so much, Brian and Chris. I, I really, really appreciate it, and uh, excited to be here. Excited to to talk a little bit of hoops on a on a Monday night. What what better way to start off the week? Absolutely. Caldwell, it's now Caldwell University. See, I grew up, it was Caldwell College coach. Yes. Now yes. improved to university status. Has it always been D2? Uh, we started out uh, as an NAIA Division II school, actually. Um, the school was uh, an all-women's college up until the late 1980s, uh, and then they made the transition. They were struggling with enrollment, uh, you know, back at that time as an all-women's college, so they made the decision to go co-ed. Um, and of course, you know, to, to go along with that decision, realize that you know, to have a better chance to attract male students, you know, they, they would probably be a good idea to start up a, an athletic program. Um, so they, so we started as an NAIA division two program and uh, made the transition to NCAA D2 in the early 2000s. I believe that 0203 was our first season as a full-fledged NCAA uh, D2 member. Okay, great. Well, Coach, why don't you take us through your journey, your resume, and how you got to where you are today? There's a bunch of stops along the way, as we know. Yeah, so, right, a bunch, <laughs> bunch of stops. Um, so I'll, I'll run through it pretty quickly. Uh, coming out of college, uh, when I went to uh, graduate school, I, I, was, I was basically a Division three walk-on at Union College in Schenectady, New York. I was a terrible college player. Uh, but loved the game and and knew, you know, really knew from a pretty early age that that I wanted to to coach. Um, so I went directly to grad school to get my master's degree in counseling education. With uh, the the my original plan was to become a high school guidance counselor and basketball coach. So um, I went to grad school at the State University of New York at Oneonta, SUNY Oneonta. And I was fortunate to be able to be kind of a volunteer grad assistant uh, for my one year in grad school. Um, coming out of grad school, I got hired as a career advisor at Rutgers University 
moved down to New Jersey, um, still had a strong desire to coach, uh, didn't know anybody. So it took me two or three years to, to kind of find an opportunity. Uh, was very fortunate. Uh, a guy uh, who was the head coach at Stevens Institute of Technology, a Division three school up in Hoboken, New Jersey, um, uh, took a chance on me. I was kind of just uh, sending out resumes to everyone and anyone. Um, and, and he took a chance on me. Uh, so I, I worked for him for four years, um, had, a, had a great experience, um, really helped. Uh, I think my first year there, we won something like six or seven games. Uh, and then uh, by my third or fourth year, uh, we won 16 games and we were the first uh, team in the history of, of Stevens Institute of Technology to, to get a postseason bid. We, we went to the, uh, at that time, and I think it still exists for D3s, the ECAC tournament. Um, after that, got an opportunity to um, actually coach at Rutgers University at the Newark campus, which is a, a Division three school that plays in the very competitive uh, New Jersey Athletic Conference. Um, was only there for one year. That was a that was a quick cup of coffee, and uh, through some uh, networking connections, uh, happened to meet. Uh, the, the head coach at Caldwell um, actually met him at a, at a final four. Um, and by, by very unfortunate circumstances, he had a position come open on his, his staff. Uh, one of his assistants uh, actually died unexpectedly and suddenly um, he was out doing some yard work um, like at the beginning of the summer. It might've been Memorial Day weekend actually. Um, so later that summer, you know, they, they hired me. Um, I worked for him for two years, uh, had an opportunity to become a head high school coach, uh, Union Catholic Regional High School in Scotch Plains. Um, did that for one year and kind of quickly figured out that I was not high school head coach material, quite frankly, um, and, and left and went back to Caldwell uh, for another four years. Um, and then got an opportunity to be a, a junior college coach. I, I was the head coach at Union County College, which is a Division three junior college here in New Jersey. Um, did that for four years and uh, it took me a little bit longer, but after four years figured out that I was not head coach of a junior college material. Um, and then went back to Caldwell. So, so this is like my third stint back at Caldwell. Uh, now I've been there about 11 or 12 consecutive seasons. So I've been at Caldwell for a total of probably 17 or 18 years, uh, but, but three different times actually, which is, which is kind of interesting and always for the, for the same head coach, who's also the athletic director, Mark Carino. Um, and actually he's the only head coach in the history of the program. He started the program back in, I don't know if 88 or 89 was their first season, um, so, you know, have, have a great relationship with him. And um, fortunately, you know, the, the couple of times I left, obviously left on good terms and, and kept in touch with him. And, you know, he, he's basically always said that, you know, as long as he's there, you know, I, I always have a home. So really, really appreciate that. So it's been, uh, you know, it's been a great opportunity as, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit, we transitioned from NAIA D2. We had uh, quite a bit of success at the NAIA level. Um, I think 
in total, I believe Caldwell went to six NAIA Division II national tournaments. I was there for two of those appearances. Um, and then the transition to NCAA Division II, you know, initially it was it was difficult, but you know, we kind of have have found our way. Our actually our whole league, the, the Central Atlantic Collegiate Conference, went through the process together which, you know, made it a little bit easier. So it's been a, been a long journey, a lot of years, but as I, as I tell people, you know, I haven't worked a day in my life when it, when it comes to basketball. <laughs> That's awesome. Coach, I just want to let Brian know, Brian's not familiar with, uh, you know, Northeast geography. Yeah. Brian, SUNY, the State University of New York, SUNY Oneonta. Oneonta is an Iroquois word for really freaking cold. <laughs> That's <laughs> That is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I grew up in in rural upstate New York, up up outside of Albany. So, um, I've you know I've I've spent a lot of time in really freaking cold weather. <laughs> uh, Brian, the trivia question for you today. Oh, perfect. Brian, trivia question. I always give him trivia question. Can't answer. What does NAIA stand for? Oh. I, I'm just gonna go with. National Association of Interscholastic Athletics. Intercollegiate. Oh, pretty. He got it. He got it. I caught, yes. caught myself. I caught. See, the problem is down here in South Carolina tonight, it's like 52 degrees. So I'm freezing. So my brain was just not functioning properly there. So that's all that was. Oh. <laughs> okay. I, I feel bad for you. 52. Right. <laughs> 52, 52 degrees in Oneonta. You go swimming in the lake. Yeah. <laughs> So you set out to be a high school guidance counselor and a high school coach. At what point in your life do you decide that's exactly what I want to do? Because I think that's rare that, that folks want to set out to be yeah. high school coaches and set out to be guidance counselors and make a difference in young people's yeah. lives. Yeah. When did you? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would say um, by about my, my senior year in college, I, I kind of figured it out. Um I, uh, you know, I majored in psychology as an undergraduate, um, and I, you know, I was very fortunate throughout high school and, and college is, you know, I had, first of all, I had an outstanding uh, high school guidance counselor who was a, a huge help to me. I, um, you know, I was the first, per first person in my family to attend college. Um, so, and, and he really just kind of helped me and my family through the whole application process and financial aid and, you know, figuring out what schools might be a good fit. Um, and then the, the, besides my father, um, the two biggest uh, male influences in my life have been my high school coach and my college coach. Um, just outstanding coaches, but more importantly, outstanding uh, people and, and mentors. Um, and, and I knew, you know, that I wanted to get into education at some level. Um, I was, it's funny when I, when I look back, I, I was very, uh, shy, introverted kid in high school. And I couldn't ever picture myself as a teacher because I, I felt that I would be terrified, terrified in front of a classroom. Um, so I figured guidance counselor was, was a better fit. Um, and then coaching, I, you know, since probably third, fourth grade, like basketball was really in terms of athletics, it was the only thing I was 
even remotely. And I'm not saying I was good, but, you know, I was a lot better at basketball than any of the other sports. And, you know, it was a sport where, you know, I, I was, I have older siblings, but there's a big gap between big age difference between me and my siblings. So, um, you know, I, I had a lot of time by myself um, and you could always pick up a ball and, and go shoot hoops. Um, so yeah, I would say, you know, at some point, you know, junior, senior year of college, I kind of figured out that, you know, some, some type of path in education and, and definitely coaching. Coach. So you had two times where you had a chance to be head coach, both in union County, uh, yep. union Catholic. And then you said at union, uh, community college, um, and you said it didn't really fit you, and you went back to being an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. What is it about an assistant coach that you really seem to gravitate toward, and what makes a good assistant coach, and what makes you a good assistant coach? Well, you're making a big assumption there, Chris, that I am a good assistant <laughs> coach. But well, let's... I hired you three times. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but let's say that I am. Um, I I think there there's a lot, obviously, that goes into the job. Uh, coaching at, at any level, really. Um, I think for me, as far as a good assistant, you know, loyalty, uh, work ethic, um, the, the willingness to, to not be a uh, yes man or yes woman, um, to, to disagree with the head coach. Um, I think those are, are some of, you know, important qualities. Um, and as far as, you know, I, I, I certainly aspired to be a head coach um, just for me with my situation. Um, I, I knew that I did not want to coach full time at the college level because I, I've been very fortunate with my career and job at Rutgers. I, you know, I have a very good full time job that I really enjoy. Um, you know, I, I call myself a guidance counselor for, for college students, basically. Um, and the, the, you know, being a head coach, especially at the junior college level, um, the, just the time after, after four years, I was, you know, really tired and burnt out. And um, I'll never forget, we, we were driving back from a game down at Camden County College down in South Jersey. Um, it was, uh, you know, it was a Saturday. Uh, my wife, Kate, who's extremely supportive of, of my career, um, she, was, she was with us. We, you know, we used to have to take vans down. Um, it was second semester. I don't know how familiar you are with junior college basketball, but it was second semester, which means that many times you have some eligibility issues. And I think we, we went down to that game with seven players in the van. Um, in the locker room prior to the game, the, the, the seventh player who, who never played all year, but obviously he was going to get an opportunity that night, comes up to me and says, uh, Coach, I, I'm really not feeling too well today. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to play. So I just looked at him. I said, you know, you know, we only got seven guys. Like, you know, you're going to get a chance to play minutes today. Yeah, I just, you know, I don't feel well, Coach. Okay. So we, you know, the kids played great and we ended up like losing the game in the last couple minutes and, uh, you know, driving home, we stopped, we got some food. It was just one van. Um, and the kids all fell asleep. My assistant coaches actually drove down separately. Um, and I was miserable. And, uh, my, my wife, 
pretty much in a nice way gave me an ultimatum that uh, I think this is going to be your last year, you know, coach as the head coach at Union County College. Um, I said, yeah, I think you're probably right. And uh, we had a couple weeks left in the season, but that Monday I went into the athletic director, you know, submitted my resignation, said, uh, you know, obviously I'll finish out the season. And, uh, and, you know, that was that. And then I, you know, went back to Caldwell and really have, you know, I've never, never really looked back. I honestly, I hope one day when I'm able to retire, I'm hoping to retire within the next five or six years from Rutgers. You know, I would love to then become, you know, a head coach at the, at the small college level. I think it's such a neat story. And I know like my, my journey, uh, the, the ceiling that I reached in coaching was, was JV boys basketball. And <laughs> I tried to get head jobs and I never got one. And, and just hearing that story, it just reminds me like, it's okay. Like not, not everybody yeah. is depending on stages of life or, or cut out yeah. head coaches at that, at that point, or maybe just ever you think about yeah. Clemson football. I can't believe I just referenced Clemson football as a South Carolina <laughs> guy, but Brent Venables is just a great job as a defensive coordinator. He may never leave him. He gets paid a lot of money to do it, but you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of value in, in being a great assistant coach. And so, mm-hmm. uh, I know we've just met coach, but I would call you a great assistant coach. So, um, but, okay. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so at this point in the show though, coach, we want to go to your greatest game and we know you've, you've got a doozy here. So, uh, take us <laughs> into the arena for your greatest game. Let us literally feel, feel that story. Sure. Uh, so this was, I believe it was the, I got to work backwards. It was not, uh, this was 19, 2018. So this was like the 2017, 2018, season um and and we were coming off a year where we had the previous year i think we finished like 17 and 11 17 and 12 with a really young team we we started uh probably for most of that year we started three you know four freshmen so we were really young and we kind of expected to take our lumps um so we had the previous year we had set up the schedule our non-conference schedule to be a little bit soft for them um, and we had a really good year. We ended up, um, I think we finished third in our division. Our, our conference has a North and South division. So I'm pretty sure we finished third. And um, in the conference tournament, we went on the road and upset the number two team from the South. And then we ended up losing in the conference semifinals. So now going into the next year, you know, we're like, well, you know, we had a good year. We're probably maybe a little ahead of schedule with this group. So let's, you know, let's toughen up the schedule a little bit, the non-conference schedule. So, so we did. And uh, so we come out, we start the year uh, 0-5. Um, our first game we lost by, it, it was a closer, we ended up losing by 18, but there was, our head coach got uh, ejected and then there was some fouls at the end. So, you know, it was probably like an eight or 10 point game that we ended up losing by about 20. And then our next four games, we lost by a combined 10 points. It was brutal. You know, we lost in every way imaginable. So now we're sitting at 0-5, and now you're like, oh, man, you're just kind of hanging out for dear life with these kids because, again, most of them now are only sophomores, and they've never been through anything like this before. So now looking us in the face is we, we, we take a trip down to Florida. Um, and I don't know how familiar you are with, you know, D2 
basketball, but um, the, the Florida Conference, the Sunshine State Conference is, is one of the best Division II men's basketball conferences in the country. So we have two games scheduled. We're playing Palm Beach Atlantic, uh, and then we're playing Nova Southeastern. So we fly down. Uh, then the next day we go play Palm Beach, and we ended up win we ended up winning that game. A great game. Uh, I think we ended up winning by two. It was one of those games where, you know, neither team probably led by more than five or six points. Um, and uh, you know, we pull that one out. So the next day we're playing, or the next night I guess we're playing Nova Southeastern. Um, their head coach. It was his first season. His name is Jim Crutchfield. He's a very, very well-known, very prominent Division II men's basketball coach. He had come to Nova Southeastern from, uh, I think, West Liberty, where he had had a lot of success. He had been to multiple Final Fours, and I think he had won one or two national championships. Um, and he, you know, he had some Division I transfers. He had some kids that he brought with him from West Liberty. So they were good. Um, they, they were five or six and all, um, they had won their, their margin of victory was like plus 20. Um, they were averaging 102 points a game. Um, so we go in thinking, okay, you know, we're, it's one of those nights where you're going to have to play really well just to be competitive. Um, and we come out and sure enough, we're playing well and they're playing well. And, you know, it's an, you know, it's a close game for the first half. Um, I think, with about two or three minutes to go in the half. It's like a one point game. Uh, they finished the half on like an eight or 10 0 run to go up 10 or 12 at the half. So, you know, the kids go into the locker room and we usually meet as a coaching staff out in the hallway. And we're like, all right, you know, we got to come out in the second half, the first four or five minutes, you know, you always say that as a coach and, you know, we got to kind of just hang out. We can't let this thing go from 12 to 20 because, you know, if it gets to a 20 point game, you know, this, this team's really explosive. We're in, and they pressed, they pressed you for 40 minutes. Um, so we come out and sure enough, you know, we play well again, but we can't really chip away, you know, where it's, it's an eight, it's basically an eight point game for the entire second half. Um, and then uh, down the stretch, it was just crazy. We, uh, we were down, I want to say we were down eight with like 35 seconds to go. Um, we hit a three to cut it to five. Um, we must have fouled and they must have missed the free throws and we come down and our guy, so it's a five point game with like 15 seconds to go. Um, and, and we got a sophomore point guard who's really crafty. He's really good with the ball and he's got a great shot fake. And of course they, you know, they probably scouted us a little bit, but they weren't that familiar with him. So sure enough, he comes down, he shot fakes, gets fouled, shooting a three goes to the line, drains three for three with like seven seconds to go. Now it's a two point game. I, I think, I don't know if we had a, I don't know if we had a timeout. Uh, I don't think we did because they took, they throw the ball right to us and we lay it in at the buzzer to go into overtime. Now it's, this is a team that averages 102 points a game. And at the end of regulation, it's 71 to 71. And we, we just played terrific. Now we get into overtime, you know, the first overtime, they take the lead. We come back again. 
Um, and they had a guard who, who was, I think he ended up being an all American and we had a guard. He was a junior college guard for us. So he, he was a senior that year, uh, Derek Dorn from New Rochelle, New York and him and this other kid about the last four minutes of regulation. And then the three overtimes, I mean, it was literally, they just traded shot for shot, like, they would come down, we would play, you know, both teams were defending and these two kids would just make tough shots. Um, so we end up uh, tying it up to get into a first, to, to force a second overtime, goes into second overtime. I don't think we ever led in the second half or any of the overtimes, I, I don't believe. You know, we were fortunate to, to get it to tie. And then we go into the third overtime and at that point, you know, we, we were a little bit out of gas. I think we had one or two kids followed out and the kid who we had been riding the guard, you know, he kind of lost his legs a little bit and he missed a couple shots. And, you know, we end up losing like 105 to 102. Um, and just the whole, uh, you know, the, the circumstances to, to go down there on that trip, 0 and 5 and to be really struggling, um, and then to get a, a nice win against a decent team the day before, and then to play a team of that, they didn't go to the NCAAs that year, but but since they've, you know, they're they're a consistent NCAA uh, tournament team, um, and it was just at, after the game, it was one of those games where you feel bad for your kids, but you're like so darn proud of your kids and the way they played that that you really don't feel that bad, like. It's like, all right, you know, we we just played a great team. We played a great game and we came up a, a little bit short. Um, you know, there's no such thing as moral victories, but going down there 0-5, coming back 1-6, and, and the way we played, we played so well. And that ended up, um, you know, so we were 1-6. We ended up the year like 16-13 and 13, or 16-12, and 12. you know. So over the rest of the year, we went like, 15 and I'm not too good at math, you know, 15 and six or something that, that trip literally made our season. Um, you know, the, the kids got confident. Um, they spent some time together. We did some, you know, we, I think we had a chance one day to go to the beach. We played two really good games and then we came back and we were just a totally different team that, you know, that, that trip to Florida literally, I believe saved, saved our season. Um, and it was again just a high, high level opponent in a beautiful. I mean, they have a beautiful campus and a beautiful arena. There wasn't very many people there to see us, but um, <laughs> it was uh, it, it was one heck of a game. I, I and and I say you know I watch obviously I watch a ton of basketball, um, and you know obviously I'm biased, but I feel like it's the best college basketball game on any level that I've not only been a part of but that I've ever watched. Um, just the, the quality of play by, by the two teams and those two kids in particular. Um, so it was, you know, it, it was, a, it was a great game. Unfortunately we lost um, that seems, you know, and, and I think this is common among coaches. I don't know if it's common of coaches in other sports besides basketball, but, but when you guys reached out to me, uh, probably the first 10 games I thought about were all games that we lost. Like I was like, geez, I can't remember a game that we won. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think in basketball, maybe you can play really well and lose yes. more, more yeah. so than in other sports. Yeah. 
There's so just to go back to the bot, we got the article and the box score up here. Um, okay. Uh, the first to go into the first overtime, you guys made free throws, and the second overtime, the kid hit a layup. Okay, Johnson Alford made a Johnson layup. Alford, he hit the free yep. throws at the yep. end of regulation and over and in the first overtime. You were right about the lead because the only time you guys, your largest lead was by two at the 1945 minute mark of the first half, which okay. we scored the first basket of the game yep. and didn't lead the rest of the game. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it still went to three overtimes. Uh, I think it's so fascinating whenever we do these, uh, we've had, a, we've had a bunch of coaches talk about losses, but <laughs> some of, some of these great games that especially going to overtime always seem to have a duel between these two great players. Yeah. It's how many, like, how many did Dorn have that night? Did he get 30? Your, your guy had 28. Their guy had 27. Wow. And they both, they both shot very well, if I'm not mistaken, right? Dorn was 10 of 20 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3, and 5 of 6 from the line. Okay. And the other kid was 8 of 14, 4 of 8 from 3, 7 of 8 from the line. So, yeah, very, yeah, yeah. Pretty, they shot the ball well. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and those were not easy shots that, that either one of them took. <laughs> um. But what you said, there's no moral victories. And this is always like a thing in sports. So what is it called? What is it when you can lose a game, but still feel like, you know, you as coaches can sit around and go, we played our very best. Yeah. yeah. They wound up with more points, yeah. but we played our best. Our kids yeah. gave everything they had. Yeah. And we came up a little short. What is it called yeah. then? Can we come up with uh, a name for it? Boy, I'm, I'm not too creative. I mean, the, I think the great thing about basketball is, you know, you get 28 games or more a year. Um, so, so those types of games are maybe a little bit easier to swallow um, in basketball because, you know, two nights later, you, you got a, you know, you got a chance to win. Like I, <laughs> I always say this about, uh, well, again, you know, in, in, in my situation, it's basketball. Like the reason that, well, there's a lot of reasons coaching is tough, but one of the biggest reasons is when you look at the potential outcomes, for me, there's four potential outcomes and three of them are bad. Like you can, the only good one is you play well and you win. Okay. That's the only time I'm ever happy after a game is when you play well and when you win. The other outcome is you play well and you lose. You can swallow that, but still you lose, so you're not feeling too good. Then the other two outcomes for me are are horrendous, and that's you play bad and you lose. That's just horrific. And for me, I'm wired, I don't know, maybe I'm wired differently, and this is something as I get older I'm trying, but I'm not even like when we play poorly and win, I'm very upset. Like uh, I'm somewhat of a perfectionist, I guess. And I've gotten better at this. And, and actually it's through some, some friends and, um, and, and I've just realized, you know, it, it's, it's hard to win at any level. So you just got to take your wins and, and enjoy them. So I'm getting better at that, but you know, the, the only time I'm really satisfied and, and that satisfaction might last for two or three hours is when we play well and we win. Other than that, it's like, oh man, this is brutal. Why, why do I do this to myself? 
I think it's an interesting point because I think in terms of talking to my coaches and back to the days when I was coaching, it's to me, it's, it's all about learning, learning and growing. Right. And so it's mm-hmm. so hard to teach. Like you say, if you play bad and you, and you still win and you, you're saying, well, we didn't rebound the ball. Well, I mean, looking at the, even the right. stats here, you were out rebounding yeah. if you wanted to build on the glass. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's so hard to get those things across to, to yeah. young men or young women, and, and especially in, in basketball, if you play bad and still win. It's, it's an yeah, that's the, that's the tough thing because, you know, the kids are all happy and you're like, you guys don't understand. Like, you, you, you can't play that well and end up having being successful in the long run. And they're just like, oh, coach, we won. Lighten up. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I always said that, uh, Brian, I don't know if I – ever told you the story we were coming over from LSU and a young man we had on the team from Louisiana. So I don't want to say his name, but he was all excited. He had been kind of playing out of position. He thought he was a three point shooter. And he said, he said, Oh, I hit two threes today. I said, yeah, but you missed eight of them. (laughs) (laughs) You were two for 10. <laughs> so I always say that the players remember the makes, the coaches remember the misses. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's hundred percent true. Coach, so. we like to end here on a fun question. So if if I ask guys that played for you fifteen years ago at, at Union Catholic, or, or guys that played for you at Caldwell or Stevens back in the day, and the guys that played for you this year, and I said, what's the one thing that Coach Scott says all the time? What's the one phrase he says all the time in practice? What would that phrase be? Wow. Uh, It could be be a funny phrase. It could be a. No, I got uh, probably my, my go-to phrase is, and I think I, I stole it from Tom Izzo, who's one of my favorites, or I've seen it attributed to him. Players play tough players win. Oh, I like that. Write that one down a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Players play that one down. (laughs) Players play tough players win. Uh, I probably say that five times a day. So (laughs) it was, it was reminiscent of what Rick Duckett had on his door, Brian. You remember? I don't remember what Rick Duckett had on his door. It was on his door. (laughs) Tough times don't last. Tough people do. People do. Yeah. Yeah. But I got a ton of them. Uh, <laughs> we if, all do. Every coach has them. If if you asked a hundred of my kids, you you might every kid might have a different one. I I love being everyday guy. Um, I, I love you know. I I always tell the guys you know usually at some point right before the first game I'm like, listen guys, you know you get thirty chances a year to put this uniform on. You know, go out there and you know make the best of it. You know, you practice, I don't know how many time, how many practices we have a year, but but you only get 30 chances a year to wear the uniform, go out there and make it count. So, yeah. I have, I have a saying about sayings. My kids will always go, where do you get all these from? And I go, I got a whole pocket full of them. I got a whole pocket full of them. <laughs> yeah. So, uh yeah, but player players play, tough players win. That's that's my that my my wife will probably put that on my headstone. <laughs> uh, I like it. Maybe I can transfer that over to co-host record, but tough co-host win. I don't know. We'll figure that out off the air, Mister Blasio. We'll figure out uh, how we can apply that to our uh, podcasting life here in quarantine. But Coach Scott, we can't thank you enough for coming on the show. This has been a lot of fun to hear. Uh, about your journey. Yeah, this has been great. 
Yeah. Thank you so much. And, you know, stay safe, stay healthy. And, you know, hopefully we'll be in for, for better times in the near future. That's right. Well, I'm, I'm hopeful. And on that note, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up for my co-host, Chris de Blasio. I'm Brian Rosefield. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games.